Welcome to Season 4 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of Rockstar Burst and myself, Michael Woodland, as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, community matters, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. Once again, we're back at it. Another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And of course, you know, I had to bring my partner in crime, the buddy of all buddies, the one buddy who I keep nagging, who keeps telling me to leave her alone, but I keep saying no. So eventually she's going to get in trouble at work. But hey, I'm not there to deal with the ramifications of that. So without further ado, I want to bring Rockstar on to the M-W Tactical Podcast one more time. What's going on with you there, Rockstar? Oh, hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing great. You know how we do it. Another great day, another great week. And um, actually looking forward to the weekend for this next upcoming competition match. So, awesome. yeah, but like I told you earlier, um, I think I figured out all the parts that has to take place for all these malfunctions to stop. <laughs> and I think what it really came down to is just really breaking the firearm all the way down, like everything and cleaning everything. And when I did that, breaking down the slide of a 2011 platform competition gun, which is nothing more than a 1911 um, platform, um, my extractor was filthy. And I think that might be the problem. So um, I'm going to change out the recoil spring, the firing pin spring, and see how that works out. That's awesome. Well, that's good because, I mean, that's been like an ongoing thing for you. And I feel like it's been like you're putting together the puzzle pieces of what's wrong and what's going on and how can you fix yeah. it. So fingers yeah, it crossed you got it figured out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you know, you know how that goes. There's um you can't let it beat you up, right? Because worst case scenario, when you look at it, you wouldn't want your all your malfunctions and mistakes to happen in training. You don't want that to happen in a real life situation. Right. You know, unfortunately for me, the real life situation is everything is happening during a match. And I'm just being stubborn, whereas I don't want to take extra ammo out to the range and practice because components and bullets are harder to come by now and it's a little bit more expensive so i'm just playing it by ear and you know just taking a longer approach on it but when it gets fixed trust me i'm going to be happy yes yeah i'm excited to hear how your competition goes this weekend and see if you've really been able to you know get to the root of the the problem yeah let's fingers crossed and let's see um what's going to happen because um I'm thinking this is it. This this has to be it. So um, but we're gonna run it, we're gonna see. And when it happens, I'm gonna put up a, a Instagram post and I'm gonna use Phil Collins song in the air um tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be the indication to let you know, hey, everything worked out okay. <laughs> I was thinking about that one last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, 
This week's show is brought to you by CAE Transfers. CAE Transfers is a transferring or FFL transfer company here in Columbia, South Carolina. That is the home of the $20 transfer. So if you would like to get your firearms transferred from one point to the next or incoming or outgoing, however you want to look at it, hit up CAE Transfers. You can find them on Facebook or give them a call and just do a um, Google search for CAE Transfers and figure out their, um, ask them about their process and they'll point you in the right direction and get you going. So CAE Transfers is the sponsor for this week's show. But outside of that, um, how was your week? Because last time we spoke, your training got canceled, but you were still going up there. So y'all was going to do some impromptu training. So how did that turn out? Yeah, so I actually, um, I'm, I'm halfway to Minnesota, I'm not even halfway to Minnesota. I actually was, uh, went up to Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, and I've been up here for the week, and I'm leaving Green Bay um, this afternoon to go up to Minnesota, and then I will spend the weekend up in the Twin Cities, um, and then probably go home on Monday. So it's, uh, my week has been good. I mean, I've just been hanging out with one of my girlfriends up here and it's been, it was really nice until like yesterday and now it's kind of crappy out. It's, well, I mean, it's fall, but we've been really spoiled. It's been really nice out and now I feel like fall is really here. So, no, I was just gonna say that was gonna be my next question was what's the weather like up there? Because I know it's changing here. Whereas we have cold mornings and nice days, you know, so yeah. pretty sure it's kicking y'all up there. Yeah. Yeah. We went and saw live music on Wednesday night, which was cool. And they were playing out on the outside patio, which was kind of the last hurrah, I think. So now it's I'm looking outside and it's pretty gray and dreary. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is right there. So um, outside of that, the travel, um, what added plans are y'all doing for this weekend? Yeah, so um, Friday night, I am going out with some friends just up in the Twin Cities that I haven't seen since I you know, moved back to Milwaukee. <clears throat> and then Saturday, I'm going to a concert, um, which should be pretty fun. We're seeing Aaron Lewis, I'm a big fan of his. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's at a casino up there. And then uh, I'm actually going with Clayton from Pivotal Defense and his wife. So I'm super nice. pumped to hang out with them. It should be a really good time. And then Sunday, uh, one of my girlfriends wrote a book about mm, a year ago, give or take. And she launched it last year, but obviously it was during COVID and mm -hmm. live events were for the most part shut down and we just weren't able to meet in person, especially not in Minnesota, it was crazy up there. So she's doing her official book launch party on Sunday afternoon. So it's in St. Paul and I'm super excited. I'm super proud of her for writing this book. It's called Mindless Behaviors. And it's just a really, so it's a really cool book. It's a really cool story. Um, her parents are are Nigerian and she's a first generation American. So mm -hmm. she's got a lot of really cool insights on, you know, kind of navigating life through that lens. And um, yeah, I'm just really excited for her to really launch this to, you know, to the Twin Cities and to the world, really. So it should be a lot of fun. You know, when I was a kid, I used to always be jealous of all the other kids that were that was military and like when they would come around when you when you would talk with them they would sound more educated 
of course they had a little bit more life experience, but I was always jealous of that when I was a kid. And, um, and of course, you know, now, like later on in life, when I was in the military and traveling around and when you actually meet people and you don't even realize how other people look at that. And every now and then some people will say that to you, like, and uh, I remember a few times people will say that to me, like, well, you know, you're probably well-traveled because of, you know, X, Y, and Z. And technically you don't even really think of it like that because, you know, you're going from one point to the next point to do your mission, your job and so forth and so on. And of course, whenever I did all the traveling in the military, um, I wasn't married and I didn't have my child at the time, but, um, it just doesn't affect you as the parent being in the military it affects everybody in your household and kind of gives you a broader, a broader spectrum on life in a sense of speaking. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think you just see things through a, a lot of different places when you're, you know, you're not necessarily planting roots in one spot. You're much more kind of mobile and on these different missions and different, you know, I guess is you're just going to different places all the time. So I think that's a, it's definitely a different perspective, which is, which is good. I mean, I think it's cool to see how other people have lived their lives and, and, and how they view things. So it's, it's needed. It's good. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. So um, also I want to go and let everyone know before we go into this next commercial break um, that Palmetto State Armory and Sportsman's Warehouse is hiring. So of course, we already know everybody in the country right now is hiring, but in order for people to get the products that they need in life or want in life, people have to get to work. So obviously, if you're someone who enjoys the sport of shooting or outdoors in general, um, this might be an opportunity for you to get into that career field that you've always wanted to pursue in a sense of speaking, or this could be a stepping stone to a career field of what you really wanted to do. But I know you can actually go onto the websites of Palmetto State Armory and Sportsman's Warehouse and see the different um, opportunities they are offering far as hiring for these positions within their companies. So um, I wanted to throw that out because um, it's kind of weird when you're driving around town and practically every business you drive past is now hiring, you know? Um, even when I was in the store the other day, and I'm not gonna say the store's name, but this lady was kind of letting this attendant in the store have it. And when, she, of course, you know, when she looked at me, she was just like, you know, good help is hard to find these days. And I was like, well, you got to remember, they probably don't have any help. And that guy's probably working two or three shifts in a row just so they can stay in operations to help us out as the customer. And then, you know, she backtracked and she said, you know what, you are right. I didn't even look at it from that standpoint. And then when the guy came back out, she apologized to him and she said it loud enough. So everybody that was standing there can um, hear her apologize. And then a couple people started clapping when she apologized to the guy. So, and I'm pretty cool. sure, yeah, I'm pretty sure that kind of made him feel a little bit more appreciated on the inside that, um, people are not even looking at it from that standpoint of, um, like people just don't want to work. And I think that's 
jacked up in the sense of speaking. Yeah, no, it is. And I think that's an interesting point because we're so, you, I, you know, we're so spoiled in America and like, we've had it really good for a really long time. And we, you know, we pretty much have been more or less raised in a world where we can get what we want when we want it. I had a professor in college who would always say, you know that you've made it as a society when you can go and buy peanut butter at 3 a.m. somewhere. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, you know what? That's a really interesting way to look at things because you're not wrong. I could go leave my house at 3 a.m. and within, you know, probably a 30 to 40 minute drive. So I could find a store that was open that would sell me a jar of peanut butter. And mm -hmm. just a lot of those things that I think we we take for granted. And now that we're in this situation where people aren't working and everyone is short staffed and people are having to pick up extra work because their business is short staffed. It's, we're seeing people react in ways that they wouldn't normally react, but it's because we're, we've been so fortunate to not have to deal with these things in the past. So there needs to be some sort of mindset shift. And that's good that you actually called her out because, you know, she probably, she had a blind spot and she didn't see it. And you know, she's used to think, you know, I'm sure she's used to going into that store, getting service right away, being able to find what she needs and getting on with her day. But that's not the case that we're dealing with right now. So people need to sort of, people need to get to work like that. Yeah, absolutely. But in the meantime, we need to still be kind to the people who are, are still working, right? Like they're the ones who are keeping the ship afloat right now. So to like poo poo on those people, you're going after the wrong, the wrong crowd. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but like I said, now to clarify and clean it up a little bit, if she would have never spoke to me first, I probably would have not said nothing to her. But because she spoke to me, that's the only reason why I opened up that conversation like I did. Sure. But um, even when you turn around and you look at it, I just think our society is just, it's, we're accustomed to it, but on a somebody from a different country, they'll look at us as being spoiled right. only because of we can get what we want when we want it and do what we want, how we want to do it compared to other countries. And um, it's, it's like I said, I don't, I don't know which way you want to go with it, but, um, but let me ask you this one, um, not to take away from my thought process before I jump down that rabbit hole. What event in life happened for you whereas um you appreciated life a little bit more oh man I okay so I feel like I appreciate life every day <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. very big on gratitude and just being fortunate for what I have um I just I have a zest for life so I'm happy to be here and be alive and like I'm adopted I was the result of a teen pregnancy and I'm like just very grateful that you know obviously my birth mother chose to keep me and you know, she gave me away for adoption but she brought me into this world so I feel like that has shaped a lot of my worldview of just being thankful for what I have because I didn't even have to be here right um so but I also think so one of the big things that I've appreciated about America the first time that I left the country I was 19 no I was 20 um no I was 19 I went to Canada but Canada doesn't count it's like the U.S. but they just have funny accents <laughs> hey hey <laughs> But when I went to Europe and when I came, when I was at a really good time, I went to the UK, we went to Paris, um, 
it was it was it was a really cool experience there was a lot of things that just sort of blew my mind being over there and you know standing next to a building that was hundreds and hundreds of years old which was just like what we don't even have this back home right, right. <clears throat> but there were just like little things that I really sort of appreciated about me like when I came back I was like oh like I don't have to pay for ketchup right or I don't have to pay for water I don't have to pay to use the bathroom in public places just like little things that we have in our culture that aren't the norm overseas um, and just I remember getting off the plane and stepping back onto American soil uh, we flew out of Chicago and uh, I flew back in and I just remember, you know, getting back to Chicago and being like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be home. <laughs> There's a lot of things that I, as cool as it was to go visit, I was like, yeah, I couldn't live here. I couldn't live in another country. There's just too much that I appreciate about. And it, the whole trip was nuts. Like that was when I was there over Christmas and New Year's and it was right when um like Saddam Hussein had gotten executed so that was happening and I'm like oh my gosh we're gonna get stuck here they're gonna shut down the country there's gonna be a war and all like there was just a lot of things happening so that also I think contributed to me being grateful that I, I mean it didn't turn into that but it was kind of uncertain at that time so yeah oh, wow. well um I'm gonna go ahead and dive into this commercial break and when we come back off the commercial break I'm gonna go ahead and tell you um the moment that registered with me that I remember when I appreciated life from the way we live it a little bit more. So um, everybody, if you will, um, go ahead and adjust the volumes of your radios. If you got headphones on, go ahead and um, tighten those up. Got sunglasses on, go ahead and lean back in your chair, get your cool vibe on. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Mental health and guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. 
You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. All right, good people, we're back at it again. And once again, thank you for listening to that commercial break and pay those sponsors a visit who actually sponsored the show, you know, so it would be appreciative. Just send them a note and say, thank you, or how much you like their product, or you want to actually um, get your hands on their product or services as well. You know, like I said, I'm pretty sure they would appreciate it. So now um, before the commercial break, we was talking about a moment of life that you remember where um, you appreciated life a little bit more. So for me, of course, you know, growing up between Virginia, um, Newport News, Virginia, and Charlotte, North Carolina, when I was living with my father, um, of course, I had to fight for everything that I had. But once again, um, you have to understand there's two sides of America, and you had to navigate one side of America, but then you had to fight on the standpoints of a regular life amongst everybody else. So, um, I was just accustomed to that way of living. Of course, you know, as we already know, you can wake up two o'clock in the morning and go hit up a 24 hour McDonald's. Or if you want to get a loaf of bread to make a mayonnaise sandwich, you can always go to Walmart <laughs> anytime of the day because it's open 24 hours. And now I'm over in Iraq at this time frame. And it was this little compound because a lot of people's houses got destroyed over there. Apartment buildings and housing areas got destroyed. And it was a group of people, maybe 60 people had found this like little um, manufacturing compound and they was all living in there. And of course you could see how they turned office buildings into actual homes. And there was a guy who we was looking for and it was Intel that this guy was, um, had to do something with um, planting bombs around the city you know, in retaliation on us, um, American forces or allied forces. And of course, when we tracked him down and everything, we actually found out where he lived and he had the wife and had four children. 
right? And at that moment, it processed to me like, okay, this guy is just trying to survive for his family, of course, trying to take us out, but we got to capture him so we can do the right thing so we can survive and everything. But like I said, at that moment, that's when it registered to me about the appreciation of life and everything like that. And, um, but like you said, when I was overseas, I didn't like the fact that you had to pay to go into the restrooms. Um, even like if you was driving, like how we got rest areas here, you just walk in and walk out. I mean, we do pay for it, but we pay for it in taxes, but you don't right. have to pull out like um, 75 cents and put in the door to go inside the door to use the restroom <laughs> or um, 25 cents um, for an extra ketchup packet, you know? So yeah, like you said, I, I didn't like any of that nonsense either. So, but, but in a sense, like I said, when you turn around and you look at it, we pay for it. It's just in a different way. It's just not on hand right there. Right. You know? So, um, last week we was actually talking about your vehicle the jeep wrangler and, the jeep wrangler. <laughs> and you know having over two hundred thousand plus miles on it so your trip right now are you traveling in the jeep or are you on a different vehicle no i'm in the jeep <laughs> nice nice so we're in the jeep so here we go yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So story about the Jeep. So I went to the Badgers game last um, Saturday and okay. Sunday morning I wake up and I'm loading up I had stuff I had to take to Goodwill. I've been just trying to get stuff out of my, my place and just, you know, Marie Kondo stuff. <laughs> so I was loading up the back of the Jeep just with like some ba like bags of clothes and stuff like that. And I slam the tailgate door and I look and I'm like, wait, where's my license plate? Well, <laughs> somebody got you. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I know there's a lot of potholes in Milwaukee. I drive over them pretty regularly. There is a chance it may have fallen off. Maybe. I mean, I thought it was on there pretty good, but stranger things have happened. And um, I didn't even have time to call in the police at that on you know on Sunday. I just was I was running around. It was doing stuff. I'm like, well, I hope I don't get pulled over because I'm a license on the back of my car, but I'll deal with it later. Oh, so wow. Sunday night, I get a call from the Brown Deer Police Department. So I'm in Milwaukee. So Brown Deer is then gets the next town north of Milwaukee. And it was the, you know, the police. I'm like, immediately I knew. I'm like, are you calling about my license plate? And they're like, we are. Wow. So they're going to mail it to you? Or are you just going to drive back through and get it? Or Yeah, I got to go pick it up. So they sent me a letter in the mail saying that they have it. And I have to bring the letter into the police department to go reclaim. So I still don't have the plate on my car because this happened when I was already up in Green Bay. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to drive around without it. But I have the... Yeah, police report. Yeah, you yeah. good with it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, it is what it is. All right. So now let me ask you this one. Since you actually do a lot of traveling over various states, right? So I don't know your status of your fire firearm carry. So if you EDC every day, every other day, or just when you think it's appropriate. But let's just say right now, this weekend travel, you're traveling and you have your firearm, how do you carry or where do you think you should carry that firearm in your vehicle if you have a CWP on you? So I have mine, I have mine for um, Wisconsin and in Minnesota and uh, 
right now like in the jeep i put it in the back like under the i don't know it's I, it's so small it's a sort of what's like area between the where the tailgate is and where the seat ends and it's just like under the floor there so that's usually where i keep it um then i've usually got stuff <clears throat> put on top of it and um you know it's not really visible to the uh the general public and then if i'm going in somewhere um you know, I'll put it in like the glove box. It really kind of just depends on like where I'm at and where I'm going. And I have not actually driven through like states like Illinois. Um, actually, no, that's not true. But I wasn't in my vehicle when I did it. So, um, but yeah, so I try to be you know cognizant of where I'm going and sort of what laws are and just be, you know, as, <laughs> as close to following the rules as possible. But I don't usually get pulled over. I mean, I'm, I don't really speed. If I do get pulled over, I can usually like work my way out of a ticket. So <laughs> most women can. I'm not. I'm. Yeah. I'm I know. It's, you know, that's a real thing. <laughs> Unless you get pulled over by a woman cop, then it's game over. You may have no mercy. <laughs> I, I can't say that one because um, majority of the time when I get pulled over, I I get let loose more than normal, right? So. If, let me see. Right now, I, I can remember the last five times I got pulled over, and and of course this is over the, the past five years. And each time I got pulled over, I was let go minus one time, and I got the ticket. And when I got that ticket, that was when I first retired out the military. So I think I was already out the military for maybe three weeks, and I got a ticket. But I no, was wow. in, yeah, I was in I was either in Georgia or North Carolina. I can't remember. But they gave me a ticket and it was, I was literally doing five miles over the speed limit. So, I mean, <laughs> floor like, traffic goes five miles to 10 miles over the speed limit. Yeah. But I ended up getting a ticket going five miles over the speed limit. But I don't know if the officer um, perceived me as being negative or what. I was tired more than anything. And I was literally trying to fight to concentrate the talk well <laughs> right. I was literally that tired <laughs> you know so I just don't know if he perceived it as being negative or whatever but yeah. I wasn't trying to be rude or anything right. um but I I feel like if I wasn't tired I probably would have got let that one got thrown out also yeah you know but um when you actually like when I travel um I appendix carry right okay so, even like when I'm driving um, around the city or if I'm going to a different state, I still appendix carry. Now, if I carry any other um, firearms with me, I position those firearms, whereas I can still utilize them as well. And if somebody's in the vehicle with me, I brief them like, okay, look, this is right here in the event something happens. Worst case scenario, you know, I'm just a big stickler on that one. And um. And let's just happen to say, like, um, appendix carry is uncomfortable for me that day. I have another holster that I'd, like, mount to the side of um, the um, one of those storage compartments. Like, it's like a shelf oh, yeah. on the mm -hmm. bottom underneath the gear shift. And um, it's a holster, like JM4 tactical holster that I put right there, and the firearm just sits in it. Um, but just depending on how I feel, what I'm wearing, and everything like that, um, I have everything situated around the driver's um, area, whereas it will accommodate me to get to a firearm. The only 
thing I don't agree with or I don't think is a good idea is those big magnets that people oh, put yeah, underneath um, yeah like underneath the steering column and yeah you put it there I mean in theory it sounds good but realistically if you was to to try it or play with it or however you want to you know test it out I don't think a lot of people will actually try to use it and pull it because even if you pull it or push it, um, you have the chance of like knocking off your front or rear sight, right? And then trying to pull it down, the magnet is going to be so strong that it might not um, work for you. So um, it's one of those measures, how you got to look at it. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen those. I don't know if I would use one. I mean, like, yeah, in theory, it looks really slick and like convenient, but I also feel like it's just a, I don't know, it's not that you would forget. Well, people do forget their guns in their cars, but I just feel like that's another way that you would just leave it there because you've stuck it there and you know you weren't thinking about it. Yeah. So like, even like if I carry a rifle, um, literally like I'll position that in a position where it's like, all I got to do is grab it and just get busy with it, whatever I'm going to do with it. Um, but that's never happened with me yet, even though I'm already in that ready configuration of how I set it up in the vehicle, even when I'm driving. But um, I never had a situation where as, you know, like the enemy was coming at me or <laughs> anything right. like it was a threat or anything like that. But it's always best to be prepared just in case, you know. So, um, but um, do you think training in a vehicle is as important as training in your house? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I feel like I probably am in my car more than I'm in my house. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it. I don't really know if I am, but I, I'm in my car quite a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely probably it's different obviously um you're I don't know I mean I, for the most part I drive it's mostly I'm on the highway a lot you know I'm, I'm just kind of driving to and from and I'm not really taking these like scenic routes or I'm, and I don't stop a lot I literally plan out my trip so I can get there in the shortest amount of time possible you know like right. every once in a while I'll stop and look at something cool but I mean a lot of it has to do with um you know, just me trying to be efficient with my time. I'm, I'm driving to the destination. Sometimes I make use of the trip there, but for the most part, I'm like, I'm just trying to get to where I want to go. Right. Now, um, have you ever seen that video of this guy on the interstate? He's like in um, a sports car of some such. And this other car pulls up to him. And obviously it was a road rage incident. And this was like a couple of years ago. And when the car pulls up to him, I guess he was about to shout something at him. And then the driver pulls up um, a handgun, just points it. And then the car like literally slams on brakes. And then he puts the gun down and then changes gear and then takes off. I have not seen that. Yeah, um, that was a couple years ago. And a lot of people was um, posting it, like reposting it and laughing about it. but. I mean, in all honesty, if you saw something like that, how would you react? You know, I mean, um, I would, yeah, 
Well, I obviously, I think of that video. Remember that girl? I think she was in California and she's hanging out the window holding that AR. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, what is happening? Like, this is not, I think a lot of people like to think that we're living in a video game and uh, we're not. <laughs> well, like I said beforehand, um, when you compare life to how my generation was brought up, and or my era, I won't say generation, but <laughs> my era um, was brought up compared to this era of upbringing. There legitly is no respect for um, the law. There is no respect for um, the way of life. There's also no respect for decency anymore. Yeah. So technically, when you turn around and you look at it, how can you reverse that? And I think entertainment and music, of course, is one of the stepping stones that could correct that. Yeah. Just me, just me thinking out loud. No, I think that makes sense. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Like I said, I just think... Um, I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Like, how can you do something back in the day that was proven and it worked? Like um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, right? Yeah. How many people will actually right now clown Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but then in that same breath, those same people will turn around and be like, um, but it was a fun show to watch. You know, because yeah. I, I used to watch it when I was a kid. <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah like especially like you come home from school um it was always mr rogers neighborhood voltron transformers and he-man and thundercats <laughs> something like that <laughs> it was always like that that form flow that i used to watch you know what i'm saying and then um of course like when i got older um you turn around and you look at it um let me see we had fat albert um you had a series of um different cartoons that we used to watch, um, the Cosby Show, In Living Color, um, A Different World, and then you had like um, Family Matters was yeah. one that I can clearly remember. Um, uh, what's the name of the other show? Eight is Enough, I think it was. Was it Eight is Enough or Seven is Enough? I think it was Eight is yeah. Enough. Um, but shows like that, it always talked about things from a family dynamic and how the family came together to help solve that problem or dealt with an issue. And, you know, of course it always ended in a positive atmosphere. And I think that kind of steered life because technically when you look at it, how many people do you know that's tries to emulate what they hear or see on TV in their everyday life? You know, um, even like there's a certain part of my life, whereas I remember everybody was walking around trying to look mean for whatever reason. Like, oh, it doesn't work for you, man. Why are you trying to look mean all, all the time? <laughs> like, that make you look tough? Like, what, what's going on? You know, it's just like, um, uh, who's that? Um, uh, that character, he's a gangster. But every time you turn around, they always, yeah, yeah, you see, yeah. Like, hold on. <laughs> that's supposed to make you tough? Like, what? Right. <laughs> You're supposed to be scared when you talk like that? <laughs> you know, so, um, 
but I do think entertainment kind of steers and um, like people do things in fashion trends and it's, you know, the entertainment industry is what actually steers that attitude, that demeanor. Um, like right now, I, I do not agree with like certain music that's out right now um, because it's all negative. Um, another thing I don't like is all these dance challenges is where um, it's not classy to me. Um, I just don't think regardless if it's a man or a woman, um, exposing themselves, shaking certain body parts like that. I don't understand how people can look at that and say that's entertaining, you know? Um, but it's what it is. Everybody can form their own opinion, but technically when you look at it, that's a driving force that I think is driving society down because now you're dumbing down people versus, oh, as, yeah. you know, like, let's go ahead and start educating people in school how to balance a checkbook, um, how to properly um, handle finances, how to invest, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the rules of um, what you can do with the house, um, how to maintain, you know, everything financially, whereas you can have a better life. But like I said, I think just everything is in place right now is dumbing down society. And even with dumbing down society, when you turn around and you look at it, now you got to look at other faucets of life of now how people are going to use a car to commit crimes. Now how <clears throat> people are going to use different um, resources of firearms, you know right. what I'm saying, and crimes and so forth and so yeah. on. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a real thing. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. um, I, can, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I, uh, so I, I mean, I always, I, and I don't have any streaming services. I don't have Netflix. I don't have Hulu. I don't have HBO go or whatever. I don't have Disney plus. I don't have any of that stuff. So I have my phone and I have, you know, my laptop and I watch the occasional thing on YouTube or if I, and I haven't seen a lot of movies. I mean, if you go through the list of like the top 100 movies, I've probably seen, I don't know, 25 of them. I'm not a big, uh, not a big movie buff. So I'm not super um, up to speed on like Hollywood pop culture, things like that. So I feel like I really tried to stay and I don't play video games on a game system. The last video game I played regularly was Mario Kart 64. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was like 11. Wow, so okay. I'm, not, I'm like very unplugged from the Matrix. And I do that. That's intentional. I do that on purpose. I don't believe in that stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm very disengaged from Hollywood and the media and 
you know, I, I read a lot of books. Um, I read a lot of articles. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of stuff, but I'm very intentional about <clears throat> not soaking up mainstream things and like pop culture things. I'm with you on that. Um, I do like to follow the news. I like to stay current with whatever's going on, even though I'm, I do a very poor job at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do watch uh, like TV series, but I won't sit in front of the TV and watch it if it comes on at seven o'clock. Like I'll probably watch it two or three days later and watch it without the commercial. So once it's finished, I can get up and do whatever I got to do. Um, but that's one thing I don't do is um, I never sit there and be like, okay, well, my program comes on at six o'clock. I got to watch it at six o'clock today. I, I don't do that. Um, I don't watch basketball. I mean, um, football. Um, actually, I don't watch any sports now. Um, I, like I said, and if I do catch a sporting event um, that I'm interested in, basically, I just catch the highlights of it. I won't sit there and watch like the whole thing. Um, yeah. But then again, um, I believe there's a lot of propaganda going on with a lot of these shows. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but we could talk about that one offline. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole <laughs> right there. <laughs> I know, right? I do. I read the news, but I don't watch the news. So if I'm going to read, if I'm going to, and I do, I go to real clear politics and I like Drudge Report. And those are pretty much the aggregate sources that I go to. And I'll, you know, I'll read other stuff, but I'm very big into reading things versus watching them because I feel like you can, you can spot the the angle and the biases a lot easier if you're reading through something versus, you know, if you watch it, it's very sen sensationalized, regardless of what side of the spectrum your news is coming from. But if you're reading it, you can really sort of hear the tone and kind of decipher what their angle is. I'm with you on that. Now, um, speaking a little bit about gun news, um, have you heard any news in relation to anything that's going on within um, the 2A community? Oh, I get, I'm on the, um, the Gun Owners of America email list. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're always email. And there was something that came through earlier this week and I already forgot. <laughs> I already forgot what it was. I feel like they're always bombarding me with things oh, yeah. that I should be paying attention to. Yeah, you're going to remember it when you're driving and <laughs> not necessarily right, when you're yeah, sitting down right. talking. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? I know. Yeah, you're going you're to remember that one. So um, <laughs> there's there's been a couple events that um came up that I was looking for, uh, just, you know, like just thumbing through stuff. And of course, everything that you read is almost like, okay, is that planet? Is that real? Um, what's really going on here? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, and then um, when you turn around and you look at it, um, overall, it's it's one of those type things like, okay, is this like the puppet master is doing this and what's the reason why and everything like that. Um, so it's pretty peculiar when you start looking at things from a different angle and and start really putting thought into it. You know, um, <laughs> and like, for instance, um, it was one morning I woke up and I was working out 
and I just got back in from a little run and I was watching Good Morning America, I think it was. And um, next thing you know, um, commercial break came on and it was always, um, hey, this show is sponsored by Pfizer. But then they turned around and they was promoting, hey, you got to get the shot. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do that. And I was just like, hmm, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, you turn around and then there was like um, another news agency that did the same exact thing. You know, and then somebody actually put it together and then they put together this um, like four or five different shows and all of them had that same propaganda being um, promoted on it. You know, yeah, so, I see um, that compilation. I saw that video. I'm like, dang. And it's like subtle. You don't even, you don't think about it, right? Until someone mm-hmm. shows it to you and you're like, yeah, it's man, this is really happening. Yeah, so I'm more along the lines of, um, the whole propaganda stuff, uh, I still ask a lot of questions, why? And I just don't feel nobody's being honest when you ask the why. You know? Right. So, um, But one thing I did read in the news is that um, Pennsylvania Supreme Court opens up um, a new path to challenge local gun restrictions. And apparently what's going on is different cities in um, Pennsylvania are coming up with different rules and laws and associated to what was said, and it's not fair across the board in the state of um, Pennsylvania. So um, now you got, because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court actually agreed not too long ago that anybody can sue um, for different laws that was taken effect. And you didn't have to be guilty of anything. It's just anybody can just sue especially like when the law doesn't make sense. So um, I think what they're going to actually end up doing is rewriting their laws to whereas nobody can impose anything stricter than what the state has already put out as the law. And I think that was what the problem is up there because it almost sounded like they're divided between pro and anti and that's a fight right there. Right. And um, I don't get that. (laughs) I don't get it, but I understand, once again, the propaganda standpoint of what we just spoke of, whereas when you're hearing people all the time saying certain things like, hey, we're coming for your guns, okay, if you keep hearing that all the time, and then, of course, every time you look at the news, they're only talking about negative actions that took place with a firearm, now you're going to get that reaction all the time, whereas now people are picking sides. Right. But um, I'm a firm believer in like if you was to sit back and you was to actually listen and look at things, you would understand, oh, the firearm didn't do the crime. It's the person that did the crime. So let's blame the person and not the firearm, (laughs) you know, (laughs) which you would think a person with common sense would do. But everybody has their reasons why they're for or against it. Right. But um, at the same time. I mean, how many people get in an accident in a car? But we don't do the same thing with vehicles. You know what I'm saying? Um, How many times have somebody went to the hospital and they got the wrong shot or a wrong procedure done on them? We don't beat that up either. Or what about the grocery store that's selling old meat 
um, at a higher cost so they can keep their profits going. But yet we're not holding that store accountable for what they're doing and everything like that. But yet you get firearms thrown into the midst of it. Right. So I'm like, hmm, how do you deal with that? And how do you actually look at things now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So um, what do you think about the Supreme Court um, trying the case that's in association with the NRA? And um, to break it down a little bit more from what I read, because I didn't finish reading the whole article. I only got about halfway through it. And pretty much what it sounds like to me is um, somebody is bringing it forth for the Supreme Court to give a clear definition of different categories of firearms, right? Um, But then when you get these clear categories, what's a clear definition of whatever is in effect? And what I'm looking at and what I'm seeing is everybody who is saying something in relation to a firearm that wants to get rid of it, they are not even educated on the firearm. You know, Um, I'm still trying to figure out from just my years of the military, how is an AR-15 or M4 rifle considered an assault rifle? (laughs) Because my definition of an assault rifle is an automatic uh, machine gun. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It could be um, the M249, the SAW, Squad Automatic Weapon, or the M60, or the M249. I mean, not the M249, the M240 Bravo, right? Which is the advanced version of the M60, which is called the pig in um, the older generation. Um, So in other words, that's the, um, in the movie Rambo, you saw him holding up two automatic um, firearms in both his arms. And he's sitting there shooting them and the, the rifles are pretty long. All right. <laughs> that was the M60 in the Rambo movie. Nice. Um, but, I actually haven't seen Rambo. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, I'll, show, I'll send you a picture. So I, you I, can know see. The, I know the premise of it. I know okay. what you're talking about. But yeah, right, cool. it's, it's one of the movies I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah. So um, for me, that's right there is um assault rifle because it is allowing um, a group of people to assault whatever objective that you're going to do. Um, I don't look at an AR-15 or um, an M4 rifle or anything less than an M60 or M249 as an assault rifle, right? That's just me. And that's a bias I have from just being in the military and doing all that training over the course of years. But, you know, people are going to try to argue or whatever the case may be. But um, even when you turn around and you look at it, I think the Supreme Court is going to have their hands full and it's going to be a lot of expert witnesses being called forth to give a definition or a clear explanation, a lot of videos being used um, as well, you know, so um, I think this is going to be a tough one um, for the Supreme Court, especially um, when you turn around and you look at it. how many people actually have that training with the firearm where they can clearly talk about it, both the positive and the negative, you know? Um, Right. But which way do you go with it? Right. Right. So I think, I think that's going to be um, a touchy one 
that's going to be a touchy one. I think that's going to be the one that everybody is going to be looking at because I think there's um, an alternative motive with that whole NRA going to the Supreme Court case. You know. But what do you do? <laughs> how does how does that actually um when you think about it from that standpoint, how does it trigger anything to you? How do you look at it or do you think anything is in jeopardy or just your take on it in general? I feel like the Supreme Court has been fairly laissez-faire recently. They've just not been <laughs> they've just not been they've kind of just been letting things happen they've declined to, i mean they're hearing this case but they've been like declining to hear cases and like things like that so i would be i one of my favorite i guess phrases that i use is semantics matter and i feel like um the whole point of the law is to get into the nitty-gritty i don't really know i mean the thing is if you if you start to define these you know different firearms into different classes um people are <laughs> People are always smarter than the government and they move more quickly than the government does. So you will, what I think will happen if that would actually come down to it. My initial reaction is that people will come up with ways to circumvent the rules, right? They will find little loopholes and they will be able to beat what the law says. And, you know, if they categorize an AR-15 with certain specifications, they will find you know, the everyday person will then find work workarounds to that because that's what people always do. That's just how we're we're wired. So, I think in one like on on one hand, the Supreme Court, if they you know if they start creating these categories, can really sort of pigeonhole themselves um, because all of a sudden you'll have these definitions of these different firearms, and then people will you know bypass those, and you'll have all these different things that don't fall under any sort of you know, rule or regulation because they're not in these said categories. Um, but on the other hand, I mean, I don't really even think they should be hearing the case. Like the Second Amendment doesn't say anything about the type of arms you bear, right? There is no, there is, there is no clause that says you have the right to bear, you know, pistols or rifles or, you know, machine guns or, you know what I mean? Like that's not written in there. And I feel like that was not put in there on purpose. Um, so I'll be interested to see how they even hear the case because I feel like you would have to be extrapolating a lot of words that aren't currently in the constitution to make those laws. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. Um, I think it's gonna be a tough one because every time the second amendment was brought up to the constitution over the past, what, 15, 20 years, um, they refused to hear anything in relation to that. And they always left it up to the states. Right. Um, but I think this one's going to be, it's going to be pretty interesting to see how it's going to turn out. You know, so um, we just have to sit back and wait and then see how they're going to handle it. So, right. yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. It is what it is. So that's a little bit of gun news that we have for y'all this week. And um, right now, we're going to go ahead and get ready for this interview segment that's coming up. And this week, we're going to be talking with another guy who does podcasting and who also does competition shooting. His name is Alex. 
And the name of his show is called Manny Talks Shooting. So I met Manny online and um, he hit me up, started asking a bunch of questions and um, had conversations going back and forth every um, now and again when he first started following me. And um, he's a very interesting person in my sense of speaking. And um, actually, I enjoy talking with him. So um, we actually um, did the interview with him. We hit him with the quick fire questions and saw how he answered those. And um, like I said, brand new in the competition shooting, brand new in the podcasting. So it's um, pretty exciting to me to actually hear somebody's journey from that standpoint, especially when they're new. And, um, and you can actually see like how their development and their growth is taken forth. Um, so, but I've, I've always um, enjoyed helping people, listening to people and giving a little bit of advice here and there as to um, the direction they want to go, you know? So um, maybe one day we can go ahead and get um, Rockstar to go ahead and fire up her, um, her own podcasting empire. <laughs> I actually have a podcast, but I haven't done any. I have three episodes posted and four more recorded that I have not done anything with that I just uh, fall behind. into the wayside. It's called you, The Everyday Rockstar. It's you behind YouTube. the power curve then. <laughs> Uh, i have time to actually yeah i got you i got you Um, this is easy i mean you do all the hard work i just show up and talk (laughs) hey that's it right there just throw it off on me right Um, and we'll run with it (laughs) all right so um but yeah let's go and get ready and um listen up for this interview segment with um manny talk shooting um his name is alex but um the name of his podcast is manny talk shooting and you can find him on instagram under manny talk shooting also um also if you would like to if you're new to the podcast and you want to go ahead and you want to follow me please head on over to facebook and youtube and look for m-w tactical and if you're on twitter instagram and tiktok look up at m underscore w tactical and you know follow us and like and join in on the conversations that we have on those various social media platforms as well and then of course if you want to hit up rockstar you can follow her at rockstar burst so it's rockstar and then my last name burst b-e-r-s-t you can find me on there i'm most active on instagram um you can find me on LinkedIn as well, just under MJ Bruce. If you have any professional business or marketing needs, I'm a marketing guru by day and you know, <laughs> it's yeah. sort of my wheelhouse. But if you want to talk fun, cool stuff and current events and all those things, find me on Instagram and we can chit chat there. There you have it right there. So um, please, everybody, um, stay in your seats and hear our few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. 
CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. All right, good people. We're back at it again. And thank you for listening to that commercial break. And this is another interview section. And today I want to bring somebody on and talk who is a fellow competition shooter, who is a fellow podcaster. And the third achievement that I give this guy is I can't put on any type of trivia contest on the podcast or anything without this guy winning it. I mean, literally, he, every competition that I put up, he's won it, you know? So I want to go ahead and bring forth 
this young man, his name is Alex, but if you listen to his podcast, the name of his show is Manny Talks Shooting. And it's a very interesting show, whereas he talks with different people within um, the shooting realm. So without further ado, I want to bring forth Alex to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's going on with you there, Alex? Not much. Hey, hey, good people. How are we all doing today? <laughs> You're only like the 25,000th person <laughs> that mimics me on that one. <laughs> I find that hey, you, I didn't win that contest because I haven't done it yet where I, I got to redo your intro, but maybe one of these days if I get a free minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, nobody actually sent it in, um, but a lot of people come up to me and say, can I do it right here? And I was like, no, no, you got to send it in so it can be fair. <laughs> right? Yeah. So um, what's going on in the world of Manny Talk Shooting? Well, it's it's been a journey, I'd say that. Uh, I've been fairly fortunate that I'm able to talk to a lot of good people. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the key, the good times keep a rolling. We've got some good shows coming up, uh, nice planned ones. They'll be nice. Uh, luckily, no one's ever told me no. Whenever I introduce them to the the, the aspect of coming on to my podcast, I, I've never gotten a no, which I'm very grateful for. So, but good things are coming. Can't say much much more about that than it's been good. Yeah, that's that's what it is. Um... Now, um, let's back up a little bit and let's go ahead and tell the good people who is Alex and just a little bit background um, about you. All right. Well, my name, my real name is Alex Mansfield. Uh, I live in Michigan, so it's cold most of the time, unlike South Carolina, where it's decent most of the time. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I'm a I'm a younger dude. Less, I'm not 30 yet. So I have always loved firearms. My family's been into firearms, mostly uh, deer hunting and trap and skeet shooting. No one was really into the self-defense side or, you know, personal protection until maybe a couple of years ago when everyone, we had that, I don't know, someone just clicked at a bunch of us to go get our C, uh, CPLs and whatnot. But, and then I eventually started on my journey in firearms training through Facebook, well, not Facebook, social media. YouTube was a very big influence on me at, a, at one point. And then uh, I eventually stumbled across enough tactical instructors through social media and started listening to their podcasts or whatever they were on. Um, I know a big influence early on for me was uh, primary and secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a forum group slash podcast of a bunch of like-minded individuals. So then I, f- I met uh, Scott Jedlinski, Modern Samurai Project. He also did a podcast and it eventually clicked to me and he told me, if you want to be better at shooting, you need to be under pressure. So you need to go compete in USPSA. So then I then listened to a couple more podcasts to him and Tim Heron was on. If anyone knows Tim Heron in the competition shooting spectrum, high level GM, single stack shooter. And then it was like the point where I'm going to go compete. So I bought a gun, bought all the gear I needed to compete, and I started that journey. And I can't, and I haven't looked back since I started that. My first match was October of 2020, and I haven't looked back yet. So 
Right. That's what it is right there. So now between doing um, podcasting and shooting, which one do you find to be more therapeutic for you? They're both, I would say they're both therapeutic in a way. Um, shooting is always fun. You get to go hang out with more of your friends. I mean, we've all, we've all gained friends and compadres through shooting. So we always like going to matches or shooting out and training which is always nice because it's more of a social event, but it's, I still get to compete to my level and, and try my best. But with podcasting, I really get to deep dive into information I want to know about somebody, uh, get to know somebody's story. Uh, and it's really a big learning experience for me. I honestly love talking enough that my wife has told me like, just be quiet. I don't want to talk right now. So I'm like, all right, I'll go find somebody to talk to. So, But so I'm lucky enough that the social aspect lets me learn enough through that. And it lets people also learn through me probing. Well, I wouldn't say probing, but asking my good questions to my guests. So I would say they're equally therapeutic for different reasons. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I agree. It depends on what spectrum, how you look at it. But um, I think overall shooting is a little bit more therapeutic for me because mm -hmm. It's just me against time and mm -hmm. how I facilitate that time is depending on my mood, my mindset and uh, physical environment around me. Whereas when I'm holding a conversation, you know what I'm saying? That's between the person and I, and, and I guess you can actually say it's a form of respect between the two because you can actually talk to somebody who you can't stand who and still learn from that person. Mm -hmm. But and I think in today's society, the art of communicating and listening is gone because it's always, oh, you don't agree with me? Or oh, I don't like you. Or my group of people don't like you. You know, and I think mm -hmm. that's kind of overbearing in a sense of speaking. I would agree with you. And honestly, some people just like to argue. Like if, if you don't share the same exact point, they will berate you until you concede or just don't want to have the conversation anymore. And honestly, it's, we both can learn from both sides. Like right. there's always things to disagree on, but if some people come from a logical aspect and try to explain it without um, personally attacking anybody, I mean, we both can learn Every, I mean, there's always two sides of a coin. I like to say, so not yeah. one person is always right. There's the, there's, a way there's not always the way on things you know also two things i used to do in the military the first thing i used to do and i used to always tell my soldiers this if you don't like someone or you don't like to work with someone tell them to their face but mm -hmm. when you do that now you drew the line in the sand and y'all know what not to cross now Right. Because now the respect is there. Like, okay, I don't like you. I don't like how you look at whatever it is. Right. So now when we come in, you don't have to ask me how my day is. Right. You don't have to ask me about my family or anything like that. It's just, okay, we're here to work, work. And that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. The other thing I always tell people is my soldiers, that is look at all the leadership. And even if you don't like someone take one or two qualities from somebody and make the perfect leader or the perf perfect person for that situation that relates to you, you know, so mm -hmm. take one or two qualities from person a one or two from person B, 
one or two from person C and evolve that in one person to be how you think that person should be overall for that situation. And like I said, I think if more people were to take that advice and implement it more, it will help in a societal society based environment more. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. That's definitely yeah. a, uh, I think people could uh, improve themselves that way and make life a little bit easier for everybody. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, like I said, right now, technically when you look at it, cancel culture and the whole me too movement and everything is throwing everything out of whack and, Honestly, people are just scared to speak now, in a sense, in my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Or they don't want to go against the status quo, so they're just going to agree instead of actually share their right opinion, how Correct. they feel. Yep, that's what it always comes down to. So, mm-hmm. Now, where do you see Manny Talk Shooting, the podcast, and your journey in competition shooting within the next five years? Oof. Within the next five years, I, I plan to still be doing the podcast at that point. Um, I've told myself if I don't have the ambition or the drive, I'm going to stop, not necessarily stop completely, but take a break. But uh, it's this drive and the plan is still be here in five years, I'm hoping. So shooting, in, of course, like the competition shooting will continue no matter what, because that's really fun. Unless legislatively, we can't own our firearms or they or the sport dissolves, which I don't see either. But my plan is for the podcast to uh, grow it to a point where um, it becomes like a household name in competition shooting. Like I know a lot of shooting podcasts like that are just that for competition shooters that are just name, you know, household names like Practical Shooting After Dark with Ben Steger or uh, that shooting show with Steve Anderson. They're like, their top podcasts that people bring up when people recommend shooting podcasts. So I'd like in five years, Manny talk shooting to be at that kind of level. Um, always ask, um, always trying to find new guests. Um, I've been trying to break out of my competition shooting realm a little bit with some of my guests. Um, just recently I had a strength and conditioning coach who is also a competitive shooter come on the show. So that was a little different. Um, so I hope people learn a little bit from that one, but, uh, I'm trying to grow it and um, extend the reach, extend the guests. Um, I do have a, in the hopefully in the recent recent future, we'll have a gear manufacturer come on. So that might broaden the horizon a little bit more. So competition shooting, five years. I'm hoping by then to make GM. That's That's a long time goal. I mean, I can see where I'm at now, where I started. And I can see my project myself there. Um, more major matches hopefully in the next five years Um, it's all budget and time dependent really for me I've got some time to dedicate I've got a lot of time to dedicate but not necessarily enough time to leave my day job and go pursue more shooting stuff and I got you so now when you say um five years you want to be grandmaster are you going to stick with carry optics the whole time or are you going to venture in other divisions within USPSA? Um, Initially, I at ma- I told myself at master class I was going to dabble in open and see if I can uh, use an um, shoot an open gun and whatnot and experiment there. But now more and more I've been looking at it. 
carry optics is not much different than open other than magwells compensators major power factor scoring so i'm going to stick i think try to make gm and carry optics now and not necessarily dabble in open because i like a gun that's pretty a firearm that is pretty simple to work on if need be and not so finicky as a open gun 2011. <laughs> well you know the hardest thing for me to do is when it comes to firearms is take apart a 1911 only because mm -hmm. you know like you look at a regular MP or a Glock or a Walther, it's all simply based around the same system. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, take apart one time and you start playing with it. Four years later, you're a pro at it. Well, with the 1911, I've always depended on Dave to help me with that because it's, to me, it's too many parts. And I'm not really familiar with the 1911 like I am a regular, you know, polymer type gun. Yeah, I, uh, I've broken a couple sear springs um, in, in the, you know, the three part spring in the back of a 1911 or a 2011. I've broken two of those, unfortunately. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it was, I first replaced some parts on a 1911 I bought used. So I was replacing some parts and whatnot. And that spring was just so wore out. And uh, when I installed it, I ins didn't install it properly. So I it snapped off at the bottom, like the bottom tab that'll go to receipt, uh, seat in the back of the grip. Right. So I broke that off and I didn't know it. So then I'm like, why is this gun out ring? So I took it to the, the gun shop and they have a gunsmith there. And he's like, Oh, that's what's wrong. Oh, wow. So br broken part, but I've done it twice. So, but I knew it. Look, I had a second spare one uh, after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, like I said, um, my secret, when I do take apart, like, just taking the slide off, okay, that's easy. I can do that, you know, blindfolded. But mm -hmm. when I literally got to take everything apart, like take the slide apart and then um, take the grip apart and all that, I legitly watch a video on how to take it apart and how to put it back together. You know, so that's one of my little secrets when it comes to doing that. So now when you actually go to shooting, like a, a competition match, when did you realize that was fun for you? Um, when did I realize that was fun for me? Probably the first time I went. Okay. Luckily enough, I knew people who were there, so I felt comfortable and familiar. It wasn't like an awkward, uh, I, you know, yes, I had never competed before before going to one, but it was like I knew I'd taken a class with some of these people who were there, so that was at ease. And then just running around, safely with a firearm you know running and gunning i was hooked nice but now have you ever um dabbled in any type of um any type of training that required any type of running like that or any type of class that was scenario based at the house where you had to run from point a to point b or anything like that no the only um firearms instruction i've had other than my cpl training well if you can call that training. Um, I've had taken two classes from Steve Fisher of Sentinel Concepts, and those are accuracy-based courses, you know, firearms fundamentals kind of stuff, site alignment, site pictures and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I've taken two classes with Tim Heron. And, you know, those are his, that's his competition-based shooting class. So nothing really scenario-based or uh, tactics-minded, more just about pure running the gun. Okay. 
So now, running with the firearm, mm-hmm. how fast did you pick it up? Or are you still someone who is subconsciously like, okay, I'm about to run. I need to do this. I need to do that. Or does it, is it automatic for you? Um, I would say that how I run with a firearm safely is very subconscious to me, even though I've had some critiques on how I do it and uh, it's not the most efficient way, but how I will index like my gun and my arm in a certain position as I'm running with it to make sure that absolutely 100% that muzzle is downrange. Mm-hmm. Um, I still can get some acceleration and movement um, with pumping my one arm as effectively, but it, but running with it didn't, um, when I first started was very, I was timid with it. You know, it was more of the, you know, everyone, the joggers, they'll mm-hmm. essentially jog with the gun. But after like the second match, I was very much okay with running with it. Long as I like had my index that, and I knew exactly where that muzzle was. Yeah. I think that's the reason if you ever watch one, some of my videos with shooting, Mm-hmm. Out of 10 videos, you'll probably see one video with me really running hard and fast as I can from point A to point B. Every other video is mainly like a gradual push. You mm-hmm. know, I, I'm not really opening up because subconsciously I'm more like, okay, I'm running with this. I need to be aware because if I was to put 100% in, you know, my arms are swaying and ain't no telling where the firearm is going to be pointing. So I'm always telling myself, okay point it at this point and run, you know? And it, like I said, it's just a gradual push for me, even though it might look like I'm moving fast, but you also got to remember I'm six, five and my steps, one step for you is two steps for me, you know? Right. So, um, but when you yeah. look at it from, from that standpoint, um, I'm still, even though like all these years I've been shooting, that's the one thing that always sticks in my mind because, um, when we were doing, we was doing some training when I was a private and it was the live fire portion of it. And this guy ended up shooting somebody in their leg when we was um, running and he was mm-hmm. running with his finger on the trigger. So and that was like the first lesson of keep the finger off the trigger when moving from point A to point B. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think I even plan it in my walkthrough of like, all right, I'm going to run, I'm leaving this position and then I'm going to run. So then I'm going to get my gun, you know, I think, and it's just part of my processing and my programming, I guess, for me, when I decide, when I'm going to decide to run is like, all right, left position gun this way. And then I'm going to boogie with probably not a hundred percent effort. Like as if we were going to full on running a, a 40 yard dash, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Some, some matches I'll go ahead and put the firearm back on safety when I'm running from point A to point B. Um, turn the safety on and turn it back off when I'm ready to um, start shooting. Mm-hmm. But it, it's always like a I said, good plan. Yeah, it, it is. But I mean, I got to really think about that one in order to, to do that. Like the last time I can clearly remember doing that was nationals. Um, because a lot of the stages at nationals running from one point to the next point was like long runs. And um, I was just more like just really being safety cautious on that, on that standpoint when you look at it like that oh absolutely oh yeah so now um how often do you get out and train and um where do you actually train when you do get out to train well if we're going to consider dry fire part of my training regiment yes it um, is (laughs) when i'm in the big swing of things right now i'm on a break or 
a as I feel like it basis or when time allows, um, I'm typically going to get four days of dry fire a week. Now that might be one session a day. It might be two sessions if I, you know, if I can fit the time in, but it's really four times a week or four days a week um, for about 30 minutes at most. Okay. Now, do you think you need more than that to actually reach your goal? Or do you think 30 minutes is the, like the standpoint you need to be at to reach that goal? Um, 30 minutes is where my hands start to get fatigued from gripping properly with the gun. Mm -hmm. So after 30 minutes, it just became kind of became moot repetitions or bad. I wasn't getting the results I was looking for in my dry practice. So I would I figured out 30 minutes is about the max for me. If I'm just going straight for 30 minutes, not taking like a five minute break in there or something. Cause I could go longer if I took like a break or like I sat there playing my phone for a minute or so, and then I could go again. But, but if I'm really focused on doing my dry practice, 30 minutes is about my max. Um, 2021 yeah. ammo has been very tight for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I ran on a very limited budget of i want to say 2200 rounds for 2021 so i didn't get to i got to shoot some matches i took a class um i did not get to live fire as much as i'd like i'd like to at least go once a month um just to keep you know other well once a month other than shooting a match to uh remember what recoil feels like how the impulse of the gun feels I, uh, luckily enough, 2022 is looking promising already with uh, components coming back in stock mm-hmm. a little bit more easily. The prices aren't the best, but I've already got more components, rec- more components assemble, you know, acquired and assembled than I already had for last season. So it's going to be, it's going to be better in that regard, but I definitely think to make my goal, I'm going to have to eventually keep progressing down more and more rounds, more and more time. Uh, but also keeping the balance between, you know, work, training, family life, and, uh, you know, civil, civil responsibilities and duties, you know. Right. So it's always, for me, it's been a balance issue. I've never been able to just say, oh, I'm going to do this occasionally. No, if I find a hobby, I'm very addicted to it. And mm-hmm. I dive head first. Um, so finding that balance for me is very difficult in the beginning. But now I think I'm finally finding that stride of, this is the time I have for this. This is what I can allot. And I have the effort and the passion to do it, but it's also keeping the other uh, part of, you know, keeping my wife yeah. happy, keeping and keeping life balanced. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, if you go into a match with too much on your mind or any other type of stressors, you're not going to perform to your optimal ability because now you're just there going through the motions. If you're not 100% committed. Agreed. You know? Um, going back to what you said about 30 minutes, um, I totally agree with you on that one because it was a point last year where I was doing like two and three sessions a day of dry fire and it was for an hour each session. And Mm -hmm. like the first session, um, like the first week, anyway, the first session was okay. The second session was getting better. The third session it was a mixture between getting better and okay. The next day, it was kind of like a repeat. By day three or four of doing the same thing back to back, 
I realized like my reloads was getting sloppy, coming out the holster was getting sloppy. I wasn't acquiring the sights like I should. So then I cut it back to um, two sessions a day. Then um, pretty much the same results. So I cut that back to one session a day, which was one hour. And it was hit or miss with that. And then I just went ahead and backtracked it to 30 minutes a day. And then when I started doing 30 minutes, I started realizing I was getting better results as far as the, tra the training aspect of dry fire. And then um, I went ahead and bumped it up to two times a day, right? So then I started playing with it two times, one time, just depending on what match was coming up and what I had going on with my schedule. But I am dedicated to doing at least one um, session of dry fire for 30 minutes a day. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I totally agree with you on that one. Whereas you can reinforce bad habits by training too much. And just because you're saying, okay, I'm doing three hours of dry fire a day, doesn't mean you're doing it correctly. So you got to yeah. really, got to really read yourself on that one. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All righty. So you ready for this next session? Oh yeah. I'm ready for when you are. Oh yeah. So here we go. This next session is I ask you a series of questions and it's called quick fire. Okay. So I'm going to change it up. So um, these are your tones you're going to get. When you hear that one, it's going to be more along the lines of like, okay. Um, I can agree with that one. Okay. Okay. When you hear this one, that's pretty much saying, okay, um, I don't agree with that one. And if you want to talk about it, we can talk about it. Okay. All right. So you ready? Ready when you are. All right. So the first question will be loyalty or respect. Hmm. I'd say respect. Okay. I'm with you on that one. All right. Full size or compact? Absolutely full size. Okay. Um, who's your who's your favorite celebrity shooter? Celebrity shooter. Oof. What do you define as a celebrity shooter? I mean, because we're all kind of celebrities in our own little right, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's just say um, someone who is in front of a camera a lot of times. People go to that person for source of information. And they have the ability to actually instruct people while um, controlling an audience. Okay. I would give this to Tim. I give it to Tim Heron, but I also will say that as a celebrity, kind of someone I've always idolized or looked up to uh, ever since I watched this TV series, uh, Hot Shots um, on YouTube, uh, that'd be Max Michelle. Okay. I'm with you on that one. Now, um, I agree with Tim Heron and Max Michelle, both um, highly qualified shooters, but that's like an independent question of whichever one you think is better. Mm -hmm. All right. So like for me, um, my favorite celebrity shooter would probably be um, Chris Chang. You know, so okay. remember when he was on TV show um, Top Shots? Um, yeah, he was on Recoil's magazine cover recently, wasn't he? Correct. Yep. Okay. So like, he, he's probably my favorite celebrity shooter that's out there. All right, so let's go ahead and move forward. Smith and Wesson or Glock? 
Glocks. Duh. Is it a Glock? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm not a real Glock fan. I don't even own a Glock, but I'm have one sent to me. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna make that a carry optics um firearm and I'm gonna play with that a little bit. And that opinion might change here in the near future, but Tom would I mean if I if I know what Glock that is, if I can remember from listening to the last episode, I think you're gonna like it. It's gonna be a sweet gun. Um that person does a lot of good work and uh knows what he's doing when he to to fine tune those and uh yeah. So yeah. like I said, I'm keeping an open mind and like I said, I'm, I'm going to run it. I'm going to run it hard and play with it and give an honest assessment. And like I said, my opinion might change, but as of right now, I'm sticking to what I know, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. So here we go. Um, over the ear protection or in the ear protection. Um, I am in love with in the ear. Okay. All right, so that one's a hit or miss. That's personal preference also, but I'm like you. I'm in the ear also. Yeah, and it's been hard lately. I've been using these Peltors um, electronic in, in the ear. Uh, they're nice, but I've, I've been trying to get myself, I've been trying to find some inner, inner ear molded ones mm-hmm. for better uh, sound dampening. So I've been looking at some different companies and see if I can get something worked out like uh, Premier. Um, I think they're at the Carolina classic this year. Um, but they only travel, I think they travel. So to get their products, you've got to get them to custom mold stuff. But, uh, well, they they do different levels of it. Whereas like, if you go to a match and they're set up at a match, um, talking about premier, um, ear protection, Mm -hmm. they actually custom mold it. So they inject the molding into your ear let it sit for a little bit. And then once it's hardened, they'll let it um, curate for a little bit longer, put some type of coating over it, and then they give it to you. Mm-hmm. Or you can actually do the higher grade, whereas they can put the um, amplified hearing protection in it or the device in it. So you can actually hear um, downrange a little bit further. Um, or they can even customize it for your earbuds stuff like that but all that stuff has to be sent off to a shop they can't do all that there right. at the range but they can do the basic molding at the range and yeah. um right now it's a toss-up between me whereas when i'm shooting competition i just got a pair of premier um air protection moldings done and i really love the custom ones because it ain't like you really got to fight your ear because i got one um channel that's bigger than the other so it's kind of mm-hmm. difficult just to go in and be like, hey, I want to get these earbuds and put them in. And it doesn't work the same for me. But um, the other option you have with um, the custom ear protection is you can also do over the ear protection if you want to double up as well. So depending mm-hmm. on what type of shooting I'm doing or where I'm at with training, I might double up or I might just keep the, um, the, mold, the custom molds in. Definitely. Yeah. Kydex holster or leather holster? I'm a Kydex guy. Okay. I like Kydex also, but um, this is a toss-up for me because Jam4 Tactical sponsors me in shooting, and their holster is leather and Boltron. So it's just mm-hmm. a better grade of Kydex. But the inside is leather, the outside is the Boltron, and um, I think it's a pretty sweet holster. You know, it's pretty fast when you come out of it correctly. You know. Yeah, and I will say uh, a 1911 deserves to be in a, in leather. So I do have a couple leather holsters, but 
Hmm. Nothing okay. wrong. Not, nothing wrong with either, but leather does have some of its deficiencies depending on what type of holster it is. Like inside the waistband leather, it would be a, it's a hard pass, but uh, outside the waistband leather, I would say as long as it's got that sturdy lip on the outside, I don't find it to be too much of an issue. All right. Okay. So um, flashlight on the firearm or no flashlight on the firearm? Both. <laughs> yeah, so that's a toss up. Um, I'm not a big fan of um, walking around with my everyday carry with a flashlight on it. Um, but I do see the importance of having a flashlight on the firearm. So yeah, I, I'm definitely much more of a have to have a handheld light. Um, but I also see the benefit, you know, the efficiencies of having a weapon mounted light on your pistol. Um, and luckily nowadays they're making smaller and smaller ones that are very bright. So you can get many options that'll work for you that aren't as bulky as like the TLR ones or the X 300s that were just so massive on the end of a firearm, make it very uncomfortable, not less comfortable, be less comfortable to conceal carry. Right. And it all depends. Like if you're outside the waistband, like having a duty holster, it's got a big light on it. It's different than if you're carrying inside the waistband. So, all right. Safety or no safety. Um, you're talking like an external safety, like a thumb safety, like in a 1911. Correct. Um, that's a toss up for me. Depends on the platform, but like for my striker fired guns, I would say no safety, like on my Glocks. But, I'm uh, with you. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, same thing with me. Um, whereas my competition firearm, which is the Brazos Custom, has a safety, which is a 2011 platform. But um, every other firearm I have, as far as like concealed carry or my Smith and Wessons, Walthers, none of those have safeties on. Mm -hmm. So I'm a firm believer in that. Um, would you rather be a student or an instructor? I guess I'd, if, I have, if I could only be one, I'd much rather be a student than an instructor. And why is that? Um, just because then I can learn. But I mean, I do have an ambition within the next couple of years of start informal instructing people like at that lower basic level. You know, basic proficiencies of using a firearm. Um, some people ask me a lot about firearms, like even in my professional bit, you know, at work, like we have some gun enthusiasts that don't really know a lot about firearms, but they're gun collectors will say. So they ask me about, cause I know I do competition shooting. They ask me a little bit, well, I'm having this issue. What do you recommend to fix this? I'm like, well then do X, X and X and it might relieve your problem. So I can see where myself, I could be very well in that beginner basic level instruction but i wouldn't say i could be a professional instructor and quit my day job instructing people at all levels so i got you on that one okay um training or shooting in the rain or extreme hot it'd be the rain i do not perform well in high uh humid, high heat zones <laughs> <laughs> um only reason I say the rain is I just feel like I perform better in the rain. Like even when I was in the army, my best um, physical fitness test was in the rain. Um, but being extremely hot, uh, it doesn't necessarily bother me. But I mean, as of recently, I have noticed myself starting to um, become a heat casualty more. So I, I go through the, um, 
the motions of trying to keep my temperature down, you know, a cool rag on my head, drinking enough fluids, all that, try to mitigate all that, the, the dangers of the heat. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so and I definitely, the heat definitely zaps your, the heat definitely zaps your mental capacity as well. Like if you're on a, yeah. if it's a long 10 stage, 12 stage match mm -hmm. and you're, it's hot as get out and you're like, I got four stages to go. I just want to be done, <laughs> you know? And then you're like, but I still got four stages to go. Yeah. I've been in that boat plenty of times before. All right. So two more questions, two more questions. All right. All right. So All right. here we go. Jesse Harrelson. Uh, I mean, Jesse Harrison or Julie Gallop. That's a hard one. I like them both. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say though, if I had to pick one of them, I would take Julie. I'm okay on that one. So um, that would have been my selection on that one also. All right. And the only reason I say Julie is because of um, the expertise and the way she passes knowledge down. She actually mm -hmm. observes more, in my personal opinion. She observes more and she can facilitate how to get you where you need to be a little bit better in a sense of speaking. That's like I said, that's just my personal opinion. Agreed. And uh, she definitely puts out a lot of good information out there on social media for people to uh, learn, which is quite nice. Yes, very much so. All right. Last one. Speed or accuracy? Um, I would say... This is, I guess I'd go against, it's a toss up though. I mean, we play a game of speed and accuracy, but if I had to pick one, I guess I'd much rather be accurate than fast, but I, I personally yeah. tend to be more of a, <laughs> I tend to be more of a speed guy. So, right. So I'm a firm believer in, um, of course we can go fast, but the faster you go, the more sloppier it's going to get. So you need to break it back a little bit, but mm -hmm. Um, looking at it from a competition standpoint, if you're going fast and as long as I get two on paper, I'm cool with that. But if, of course, if I'm focusing on accuracy, I know I'm going too slow then. That, mm -hmm. That's how I'm looking at it from a competition standpoint. Agreed. Yeah. So um, how can the good people get in touch with Manny and listen to your podcast, follow you on social media, reach out to you, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the best place for people to get in touch with me and have a conversation would be Instagram at Manny Things underscore. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm active there. I do not have a Facebook. Um, I do have a YouTube channel, and that's called Manny Things. You can search Manny Things, or if you search Manny Talk Shooting on YouTube, you'll find my YouTube channel that way as well. Um, websites in the works. I have not nailed anything down quite yet on a website, uh, but that's hopefully... By the end of 2021, I'll have one. So that'll be something coming out. Uh, you guys can watch my stuff there. Any podcasting platform that you prefer, the podcast is there. Um, my, my podcasting platform that I put out on pushes it out fairly well to things I didn't even know I was on. So uh, you can find me anywhere you listen to podcasts and YouTube. So that's it right there. So go to your favorite streaming platform and look up Manny Talk Shooting and give his show a listen and follow him on Instagram because actually when you listen to his podcast, it is very interesting, um, especially the angle he comes at 
with the different guests that he has on the show. So my man, Alex, I do want to thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And like always, you are always welcome to come back onto the podcast anytime you choose. I appreciate that, Michael. And hopefully we can do it again sometime soon. Oh, yeah. We're going to be doing this again sometime in the near future. So um, if you will, like we said beforehand, go follow Manny Talk Shooting on um, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And then also go check out his podcast as well. So, but until then, everybody, please stay in your seats. And here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunters HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunters HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing to Hunters HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you. Mental Health and Guns, 
At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please, go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting in the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.